knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit Tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why Midway USA offers super fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Welcome to the Foul Front Outdoors Tales and Tips segment, where we bring to light the heart of hunting through shared experiences and lessons learned. By talking with real hunters, both new and old, to preserve and share part of this passion that we hold dear. Not only to entertain, but also to educate. So listen up, because this is Tales and Tips, and you're on the foul front. All right, so for today's Tales and Tips episode, we have the infamous internet slash duck hunting star, Wade Skeen. Thanks for that. Uh, don't know really how to follow that up. Uh, yeah, I'm sitting out of the in the muggy garage right now with the uh with the laptop up trying to find the only quiet place around the house with a with a five-year-old and a couple of labs running around the house luckily my wife is running interference for me right now and uh and got a little while to kind of hang out and chat that's good you know i was joking about you know the the whole intro there but i i think every single internet duck hunting forum that i get onto duck hunting or any other actually you are you've all you're already you're there already and you're an established presence with like a thousand comments <laughs> well i mean so it started out i was talking about talking about my son a second ago it's kind of funny <clears throat> excuse me uh you know anytime i'm anytime i'm laying him down for a nap or or uh like laying him down for bed or whatever it is I, you know i'm on my phone and uh you know i sit there and piddle around on one of the hp pages or or your guys' 
page or something like that and, and talk duck hunting with people because it's kind of what I'm what I'm thinking about all year long no matter what if I'm hunting or not. Yeah, that's you know that's true. I, now that you know, trying to put the kids to bed and or you know feeding it, and you got an extra hand and yeah, just scrolling the the duck forums. But now you said you have two labs. Well, technically, I have three labs. I have a I have a twelve year old that uh, she's she's just a, a lap dog. She's she's a pet. Uh, <laughs> no 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 other no other terms you could put to her. But uh, and then I have a four year old black lab that. Uh, I trained myself, and uh, is that the one you use CGA on or uh, Cornerstone Gun Dog Academy? No, so uh, I, he was basically he was about three, two and a half, three by the time I got Cornerstone. He was pretty much a finished product. Uh, I mean, I still I still work with him for maintenance purposes and things like that, but he wasn't he wasn't trained with Cornerstone. And then now I have a ten month old SOK lab uh, that kind of a cool story that the, the guys from SOK, uh, Travis Dorch mainly, and some of the other guys went out and did a big solid for me and uh, was a gift to me. And uh, so she has been completely trained. And, uh, and for those who, and for those who don't know, Southern SOK is Southern Oak Kennels. Correct. Um, yeah. yeah. And there, I would probably say I just, at least in my exposure, they're the premier, like the, I mean, just good dudes. And yeah, I mean, not only are you yeah. getting a good dog, but you're getting, you're getting good, like community and the Cornerstone Gun Dog Academy, like that comes with it. Like that. Go ahead. You want to talk to that for just a minute? Sure. Yeah. Well, so we went down to annually. That's okay. Has a, has what they call the summit. And we, we went down to that last year to pick up, to pick Bree up. And uh, those guys, you, you don't you don't get a dog, man. You get a, you get a dog and a family. Like it was it was something else. All, a lot of our friends that we still talk to on a you know on a really regular basis, whether it's about uh, dogs or training or or just just friendships, it really it really blossomed a lot through through that whole experience. And it, it's it's something else with the. They have a Southern Oak Kennel Society page on Facebook, and that's where everybody kind of keeps in touch. And uh, it's it's just as active as a lot of the other ones that you see out there. And right. it's just just a, a good group of people. Well, good deal, good deal. Well, and we were also talking back to the point of kids. We were talking about I, it was very funny the way that you mentioned it. Um, you were talking about getting. You know, exposing your your puppy or socializing your puppies, you know, which is a very important part of uh, creating a well-rounded hunting dog is, uh, and just a good dog in general is to have it, you know, experience things and uh, different people and all that stuff. And we got to talking, and you made an awesome parallel. I wish I'd actually hit record as soon as you called me, which was a mistake on my part. <laughs> um, but uh, talking about you know getting your, you know. We're talking about our daughters and getting them out hunting. And your daughter, she's what she went out. How many times? Did she well, she's yeah. So she's eleven now, and she 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 turkey hunts. She carries her own gun, like yeah. Uh, act, has has tags and is actually turkey hunting now. But she started going. We moved to Kansas from Hawaii in 2012, and she was 
just turned six, and uh, so she started turkey hunting with me right away. Yeah. And the parallel I was making was, you know, she wasn't she wasn't carrying a gun. She wasn't really doing anything but tagging along and, you know, being introduced to nature and hunting and stuff like that. But at, even even though she wasn't hunting, she got she got that introduction and that love of it early on. And now now that she's eleven, you know, that's, that's all she wants to do is is go hunting with dad. That was where we kind of started that conversation her birthday just came up last month and uh when we asked her what she wanted for her birthday that all she said i just want to go turkey hunting and uh so of course she got a new shotgun for her birthday this year (laughs) (laughs) oh man that's uh i you know i i know i'm supposed to treasure these moments that right now when when nadine is little but um i i just can't wait to to take her out to get her exposed to this kind of stuff and you know i hope she likes it i hope i do a good job uh you know that's part of the reason i actually you know started doing this podcast was you know life uh life has a way of you know it can you know come abruptly halt to an abrupt halt and uh, i just thought to myself like man what what better way you know to leave a legacy or leave something behind of just hours of her dad, you know, talking uh, about, you know, hunting and something that he enjoyed, something that I could pass on. And also, you know, all, besides the other obvious reasons of helping other hunters out, but that's a another little, you know, peace of mind thing. You know, I just spent, you know, 28 years trying to figure out, you know, who I am. And then, you know, it all changes in a blink of an eye when you have that, that kid. Right, yeah, it, it definitely does. And, you know, what you're talking about resonates because uh, like I'm 30, I'll be 37 here in a couple of weeks. And uh, I, I think about like my absolute best memories from my childhood are not, you know, a new bike that I got or that first Nintendo I got or anything like that. But uh, I, I still remember the, the first deer that I shot when I was with my dad. Uh, I, I remember that tree we were sitting beside, you know, uh, just, getting in the truck in late summer and going and riding around through the country and looking for deer and, you know, and bean fields and stuff like that. that he didn't, we didn't waterfowl hunt growing up. It was, we bow hunted a whole lot, but, uh, that, that time, you know, spent with my dad, whether we were hunting or getting food plots ready on our little, you know, our little lease out there or whatever, you know, that, that still is, is the best memories of my childhood and kind of actually funny enough segues perfectly kind of into what we're talking about today uh with the kids uh i take them with me all the time if you, you know if you look on facebook you'll see pictures my wife likes to take pictures and you know if we go out scouting the, the kids are in the, in the truck with me uh matter of fact that's my free pass actually because i can i can load my five-year-old up in the truck and i can go and do anything i want to at that point so during duck season he gets in the, he gets in the truck and and he goes and helps me find property or helps me scout different properties for hunting places or whatever. And I suppose I suppose he's a pretty good help too when it comes to uh, getting permission, huh? <laughs> he's a very good help when it comes to getting permission because when when a guy gets out of the truck with a you know a little five year old walking up there asking about you know your tractor and this and that and the other, it's a it's a quite the icebreaker. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Well, should we get down into the uh, the beans? Yeah, so kind of kind of going right from what we were talking about, uh, just a 
little story about flexibility and adaptability when it comes to hunting. I was thinking about it earlier, and I've got this, I've got this friend here in town that uh, he, I was talking to him last fall, and man, I, I just can't kill any birds. My, my pond that I have, it's, just, it's dried up. We've got a really dry year. And you know, I was like, I know, man, it's just, it's just terrible. And I, I, I didn't, I didn't come down too hard on him, but I was thinking the whole time, I was like, why are you hunting the same place over and over and over? Like, why are you not diversifying a little bit? And uh, it kind of brings me to what one of the hunts we had last year here, here in Wichita, at least we, uh, we have three waterfowl zones within one hour of us, so we can, we can start hunting. Uh, well, you know what we refer to as big ducks, non-teal season, uh, around the first week in October, and between the three zones, we can run that all the way to the end of January. And then, uh, so our we have one zone up north, about an hour away. We have our main core zone where we are, and then we have another zone uh, about thirty minutes to the east, southeast of us. And uh, during our main zone split, which is usually the first two weeks of January, we have the, the, the east zone that we can usually go hunt in. Well, last year, um, that was unseasonably cold the first two weeks of January, hmm. and uh, all, the, all the pond still water locked up. And I mean, seriously locked up, like, you know, six inches plus of ice, which is pretty, you know, pretty good for us. It's to the point where if you don't have an ice heater, it's just really not an option. We we cut holes with chainsaws and stuff like that, but it just it was it was too bad for that. So um, we kind of racking our brains, and we we're like, man, I, you know, we don't have any river access really to the to the main river, so we didn't have any open water. Our ponds that we had in that zone were froze up, and I got to thinking, I was like, well, I've got this spot that I turkey hunt that has this really small river that runs through it. Uh, maybe just maybe it's open and uh, i knew i knew there's a lot of agriculture in that area and i knew it hold birds so i rode out there and sure enough it, it had open spots in it and um and some birds were using it but not not anything ridiculous but uh we decided all right well let's you know let's give it a shot and uh we took Oh man, maybe a dozen, maybe 18 decoys. I think we took a dozen floaters and uh, like six full bodies to throw on the ice. Uh, and then a couple of like pulsators or something like that. <laughs> and it just so happened that it coincided with a big snowstorm that day. So we went out there and our our first place, we, the, the main hole we were planning to go to was, was, was froze up solid. We had to walk all the way across it. So we started kind of searching up and down the river and, you know, 50, 60 yards up the river there was some, where some rapids normally are. And there was a hole there uh, and it was tiny. You know, like you, it was 15 yards from our blind all the way across the river to the other bank. Um, oh, yeah. And then the hole was maybe 20 or 30 yards long. Uh, so we're like, all right, well, you know, we're here. This is our best option. And uh, yeah, it, before you knew it, we had, I think we had three guys on that morning, but we, we only killed 10 or 12 ducks, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't the biggest pile of birds that we stacked up last year. Yeah. But, I mean, but that's a day where most guys are out. <laughs> Darn it. Ponds closed up. I'm going to sleep in today. You know, that, uh, you know, I'm going to enjoy the, you know, the view out the window. 
I think that's my number one rule whenever anybody ever asks me, you know, like, hey, what's the most important thing, you know, I can do, you know, to be better at duck hunting? I just, you know, I always just tell them, oh, you, you got to be out there. Yeah, you're not going to kill them from the couch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Even if you have a, a crap spot uh, on a crap day with, you know, crap ammo and crap shooting, <laughs> like, you're going to, like, you, your odds are better if you're out hunting. So and now yeah, yeah. I think you're looking at the pictures um, of you, like the way that you hunt and stuff like that. And then we talked a little bit about it, but the way that you, the gear that you pack out, you know, you're talking about flexibility and adaptability. What are you, what are you running? Like what's your. It, it varies so much. So, you know, that, like that hunt, for instance, we were hunting this tiny little hole that was open in the river and I had a dozen decoys on my back, my blind bag, my shotgun, and a stool, and that was it. And my buddies, my buddies were carrying, you know, similar type deals. So, you know, we ended up with 18 decoys out there and a couple of, you know, pulsators or a jerk rig or something to that effect, and then a stool and our blind bags, and that was it. Uh, but then we may hunt a 10-acre cattle pond. And we may put out 10 dozen ducks and two to four to five dozen geese. That's when you're uh, backing the truck up to the pond. That is when we are driving the truck all the way up to the edge of the pond. You're exactly right. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's always that the ice. Ice always, uh, that seems to be the, most hunters think it's the bane of uh, of their, their season is ice. Um, and to a certain extent, that can be true because they can drive a lot of traffic south um, when things start really locking up. But I personally love a good hard freeze um, because what it does is like it limits options and then I yep. can create options. Yep. And yeah, um, it, 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 it ice and, you know, <laughs> you won't hear too many waterfowlers say this, I guess, but oh. Uh, dry conditions same thing mm -hmm. uh, anything you know anything you can do to concentrate birds if you you know if you put the time in to figure out what's working what's not uh, similar similar scenario last year everything had frozen up and this was this was a couple of weeks after the hunt that I was talking about earlier uh, I got out and the uh, the sand pit, the quarry ponds, they'll stay open a lot of times because they get groundwater and because just so many thousands of birds will keep the water open. Oh, yeah, sure. Uh, so I got out and started scouting. And typically you can't hunt most of those quarry ponds because they're active sand pits. But uh, I got out and I started looking around and just so happened to find a stretch of river that was just holding thousands and thousands of greenheads. And uh, I don't I don't have a boat, but... Uh, I started calling around to a couple of buddies and I was like, Hey, you know, if you don't have a spot to go, I don't have a way to get back in here, but I assure you we're going to kill a lot of ducks. And, uh, sure enough, I got one of my buddies like, yeah, man, let's, let's do it. And he, he loaded his boat up and brought it out there. And I think we had a four man limit by, I don't know, 45 minutes, an hour into the hunt. Yeah. Uh, same, same thing. You bring up a, a really good, uh, like a little, tidbit for okay so you're the new guy um out hunting let's say uh and you don't have all the decoys you don't have a boat you don't have the dog you don't heck you might even be bar borrowing someone's shotgun 
Um, but the most finite resource on the planet is time. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you can contribute some time by driving around and finding birds, <laughs> you, you then you can go to your buddies who have the boats. You can go to people who have boats or even put it out on an internet forum saying, hey, guys, <laughs> listen, uh, found a spot just loaded with ducks, don't have the resources, but I got the spot and I got the, I got the waterfowl, you know, you're going to have, your your inbox is going to blow up. If if you're the guy with access, you're going to have, you're going to be the prettiest girl at the prom. Oh yeah. uh, Really quickly. Cause that's, you know, that's the one thing that, that we all, that we all push for and we're all searching for more and more all the time is access. And if you're that guy with access, then you're not going to have any shortage of friends. For yeah. Sure. I trade every decoy that I have every year for a new hunting spot that was solely mine and my friends, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So. Yeah. Speaking of which, we just uh, signed our lease on our on our property uh, Wednesday. <laughs> oh, that, is that the one you asked me to buy in on? Yeah, uh, it's about uh, 20, 20 minutes yeah. east of town here. Uh, and, uh, if it wasn't an hour and a half away from me. Well, and right now it needs water, so we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, another point that I wanted to bring up about ice, um, it, you know, and it being the bane of some uh, hunter's existence and it being, you know, kind of, you know, the smart adaptative hunter's, you know, crutch almost. Um, I had a Oklahoma small farm pond, but it was super deep. And um, the ice had frozen over enough that ducks couldn't land on it, but I could not walk uh, my butt out there because it was it was too um, it was too thin. Mm-hmm. But there was a hole in the middle um, of the pond. No way for me because it was you know forty yards, you know in. And I, so I'm not getting shots on any of these ducks. So what I ended up doing is I just put a every goose uh, decoy that I had. Um, just on the edge um, of the pond and then I sat about 20 yards off of that because I were I was watching the birds and I did I probably didn't even need the decoys um, (laughs) because I saw the birds coming in and they would do one pass over the over the hole and then they would bank out over this hill um, that had it was like a fence behind it and so I just went up I sat right along that fence line and as they would come around and turn, I'd hit them right there. Yep. Limit it out that way. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't always have to be. I mean, we, of course, we all love it 15 yards feet down in the decoys. But, you know, when, it, when, it, when the conditions get tough like that, whether it's ice or low water conditions or you're hunting, you know, pri- or public ground and, you know, you, you can't get into this marsh over here, but the ducks are swinging over you. I know. Cheyenne Bottoms, there's a there's a place out there, and I've never done it, but there's a place out there where they basically create a firing line for the geese that are working in to the refuge out there. And guys kill geese that way, you know. And <laughs> it's not my favorite way to hunt, but you know, it, sometimes I guess. Yeah, the the only yeah, way it, I don't I don't really like doing uh, uh, pass by shooting is kind of what that's pass called. Shooting, yeah, yeah, I don't like doing that. Uh, but the the only reason that day in particular. Uh, I did it was because I mean I'd set up the original way, and then I just right. happened to like see man why is every bird going to this hilltop, and 
you know, went up there and sure enough, I mean, I mean, like you said, like they were literally 15 feet from me, just the way that right. they were banking. But, um, yeah, yeah I, I agree. You just got to take the options you have, you know? Yeah, exactly. Are we, are we going to, are, aren't we linking up with some of the, the HP listeners, the, um, we're going to. Cheyenne Bottoms? Are we linking up there? Well, I think they they have a, a kind of three or four different areas okay. uh, around where they're planning on staying that uh, guys are going to kind of spread out because I think there's probably 15 or 20 guys that are talking about doing it. So, you know, if we get that, if we get that many in there, we'll have to kind of split up some. But, of course, yeah. Cheyenne Bottoms is big enough for... Yeah, I got I've got an I've got an A frame and I've got that fourteen foot boat and I have that eight foot boat. Uh, not that the eight foot boat will be much help, but let me know if you need help running anybody. Yeah, I think I think that's gonna be a pretty good setup. We'll uh, we'll definitely we'll definitely have some fun on that trip. I I think we gotta I think we gotta figure out the logistics of the lodging situation so that we can all so that we can all hang out after the hunt is gonna be the yeah. biggest yeah biggest hurdle. Well, it's pretty cold for a tent. <laughs> yeah, well, I think they're planning on doing an end of October time frame, so it shouldn't be. Well, so maybe it not. shouldn't be. Yeah, it should be pretty mild. Hopefully, you never know. You know, sometimes, sometimes it seems like every year for Halloween when I go trick or treating with the kids, you, you got to like put your put your bibs and your your big jacket on because that one day for some reason always gets really cold. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what other stories of adapting and overcoming and utilizing Plan F do you have? Well, I mean, I think you know that's kind of the that's kind of the two examples of the big ones. But you you just you know you never know whether it's <clears throat> whether yeah. it's public land whether it's public land and you're you know say you get out there shoot light and you know you watch those guys that are hopefully three or four hundred yards away from you over there. You know, it's two of, two of them, and they shoot their limit by 845, and, and greenheads are still dumping in there after they leave. Well, maybe you need to pick up your two dozen decoys and right. go fill that spot. Or you know, I, Question for I, you, I, when, I, it, when, it comes to, when it comes to time, um, do you do much afternoon hunting, evening I, hunting? So funny enough, I do a little bit of evening hunting. But that's usually the family hunts. Uh, that's usually it's uh, unseasonably sixty degree day in December in Kansas, and uh, I load them all up the whole circus as we call it. Uh, I'll, the the four year old, the five year old now, uh, my daughter, my wife, the dog, we all load up and we'll, we'll go out on an afternoon hunt somewhere. Uh, now I will make exceptions from time to time if there's a huge cold front coming in. Right. Uh, you know, one of those midday cold fronts where it's supposed to drop 30 degrees between noon and and 4 a.m. or 4 p.m. or whatever, and yeah. you get out there, you get out there, and those those days can just be lights out. Honestly. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I know. I, in my first season, I spent a lot of time doing afternoon hunts with little success until I learned that it's all about the weather when it comes to that. Yep. So, and I, I, I steer clear, even when I deer hunted a lot, uh, I still mostly steered clear of afternoon hunting most of the time because that's my favorite thing about waterfowl. I can get up, 
I can go duck hunting in the morning, and I can usually be home by uh, 11 o'clock, maybe noon, 1 o'clock on exceptional days or days that I really want to stay out there for weather or something like that. But, you know, I get home, I can get home at, at 11 o'clock and I've got the rest of the day with the family. And, you know, by the time I get home, they're, they're just getting up, stirring good, ready to go do something. So, right. Right. So it doesn't, it doesn't take away too much family time if I do it that way. Yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. And we're, you know, I'm lucky in a sense too. a lot of guys, a lot of guys travel a long way to, to hunt and, and, you know, maybe have to make a weekend out of it or something like that. And I have within 45 minutes, I can, you know, pretty much be at any of our spots with the exception of the, the North zone, but that we usually only hunt that the first couple of weeks of the season. Now I'm in the North zone, late zone, right? You're, so you're in, yeah. you're in, you should be in the low plains early zone, right? Yeah. No, no, no. I'm in the late zone. So you're in low plains late zone. Yeah. So you're 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 in the same zone as me. Okay. Uh, but if you go if you go west of west of you a little bit, you'll get to the you'll get to the low plains early zone. Yeah. And you know, I'm not a huge fan of hunting in that area, but hey. It extends the season three weeks on the early side, and it's dog work I can get in, and it's yeah. You know. So being new to Kansas, what is it? What is the uh, what's the feature um, that essentially makes it the early zone? What what do they tie it to? Is it, well, is it a river? I, I no, it's uh, it's two public waterfowling areas. It's Cheyenne Bottoms and it's McPherson Valley Wetlands. Okay. Uh, those those two specifically Cheyenne Bottoms because it's so large and it, and it winters so many waterfowl uh, during during the early part of the season like that is the destination for the central flyway for the early part of the season um, so they open it earlier there because it's so shallow uh, it freezes up really early. Uh, so you, if they if they waited to open it later, yeah, you wouldn't get to hunt it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So that that's the way that's the way it breaks down, at least from what I understand of it. But uh, I, I like it because I mean, you know, I don't even know if I want to say this on a public forum, but I've done it on social media before. You know, if you play your cards right in Kansas, you can you can waterfowl hunt from. Uh, the first weekend in September, or the second weekend in September, all the way through February fifteenth. Yeah, and of course that that includes teal and, and geese. But well, I'm I'm excited to trade some hunts with you this season and at least get a, a good lunch in. Um, yeah, <laughs> well, you, you'll have to come down, uh, especially especially in the late season. You, of course, I've got I've got some really good friends that live right there in the same same town that you do that we've already kind of talked about but you know i, I kind of understand their hunting situation up there and it seems like they you know they they start freezing out a little bit earlier than we do and have to have to work a little bit harder but uh you know when we are still rocking pretty good down here so right. you have to you have to load up and just make the trip down <laughs> all right all right well i know uh we have a well we got about 10 minutes before we have to uh, get over to the Facebook group and do that giveaway this week. So 
Um, you keep chatting, or you want to wrap it up? Oh no, we'll, let's let's wrap up uh, this tales and tips segment, and okay. anything past that, we'll switch over to the iPhones, and we'll call that bonus content for the group. Sounds good to me. Let's go live on there, and all right, uh, we'll, we'll pick it up right where we left off there. Okay, I'm a. All right, see you in a minute, buddy. All right, bye. bye. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Foul Front Waterfowl Podcast. Please come join us on our Facebook group, the Foul Front Waterfowl Podcast Group, where you can connect with a good group of hunters because we're all in this together. We need to act like it so that hopefully our great-great-grandkids will be hunting ducks over our favorite public lands. Uh, We also ask that you go ahead and give us a written review on iTunes and give us five stars if you think we deserve it. And we really do want to hear back from you uh, so that we can give you the best possible content. And if you get in on that Facebook group, you can get in there and you can ask questions and you can tell us what you want to hear next or you can tell us uh, what you don't like. And we'll be sure to tailor things to our listeners. So, all right. Stay safe out there and we will see you next week. Hey, you ever been sitting in front of your TV just wondering why you can't catch the latest episode of The Foul Front right there in your living room so you can press all your guests and family with your fine taste and podcast listening? Me neither. But hey, as a part of the Waypoint Outdoor Collective, you can now find The Foul Front and some other great podcasts on your Apple TV, your Roku, your Amazon Fire Stick, Smart TV, even your gaming console just by downloading the Waypoint app. And heck, while you're there, they got over 2,500 hunting and fishing shows on demand. Go download the Waypoint app today. On Mondays, head offshore with Captain Scott Walker and Steve Roger for breathtaking deep-sea adventures. Coming to me, coming to me, coming to me. Double. He's jumping, he's jumping, he's jumping. Oh! Oh! Look at that belly. Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue. Brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern. Tell a few fish stories along the way. On Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue, brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors. Every Monday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.